0: of this world before the preaching time to kind of prepare my heart and i appreciate so much those that are willing to sing and uh, appreciate all of the music this morning and uh, looking forward to a great day together <clears throat> i had an opportunity uh this past week on friday uh to go visit a lady uh up in saint charles on friday night i didn't know her uh, i had never met her before and uh she had asked for some preachers to come, For what I understand. I guess uh, I had tried to get another pastor perhaps to come from the area and, and didn't get a response back, but um, went to go see her, and she's, she's been struggling uh, with trying to understand life. Several years ago, uh, some circumstances came into her life that put her in a situation where she's looking at it now and saying, Why? You know, God, why did this happen? And why am I here where I'm at today in my life? And I think most all of us, if we've lived any length of time at all, have come through problems and trials where there's times we just want to say, Lord, why? I don't understand. And um, was burdened on the way out there to visit. I'd been praying throughout the day and the night before trying to say, Lord, you know what... (laughs) I'm just Greg Boer. What what can I say? What can I do to try to encourage this lady? And uh, was so impressed on the way out there as I was, it took about an hour to get there, that she just needed to hear how good God was and that he died for her sins. She just needed to hear the gospel. And the Lord graciously opened the door of opportunity as I sat there sharing the gospel with her for probably about 45 minutes, rejoicing in it. Boy, I was excited. She said, you know, Greg, I I have a friend of mine that's a Christian. And she said when she comes to visit, she's just bubbling over about the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, that's what I want. That's what I want. And I got to thinking about that. And I talked to her about her past and how she had, attended some churches. She grew up Roman Catholic and had gone to a Lutheran church and a Baptist church and told me about things that she did at each one of those, but by her own testimony, I, I don't believe that she was saved in any of them. I shared the gospel with her and left her with some things to ponder and think about and texted her again this morning just to try to remind her that we were praying for her and I just wanted to see the magnitude of God's love for her. She feels like God has 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 left her, and and, uh, she's just at at the end of her rope. And I I thought of that so often over the weekend. I've been three days. It's been very heavy on my heart. I spent some time this morning in Sunday school. I I loved. We just happened to be in uh, in the part of Genesis that talks about God coming and making His covenant with Abraham, and I was. So excited to get there. I love talking about God's covenant with Abram and how the, the burning, uh, the smoking furnace and the burning lamp come down and walk through the midst of the, the, the covenant uh, sacrifice on Abram's behalf and the love that God has uh, given toward us. And I shared with this lady the other night, I said, you know, God is a just God. But he's also a loving God. And aren't you glad that God's love met his justice one day and came up with a plan of salvation? <laughs> and said, you know what? I have to have justice for the sin, but I'll, I'll make a way for it. And, uh, well, I don't know. I, I just can't. And, and humanly, I don't understand that. I, I can't fathom what would drive God to do such a thing. Other than to explain it this way, that his love is, is literally inexhaustible. It goes beyond everything you could ever imagine. Now, I've shared so often before that uh, we, we get the privilege, and I told somebody this the other day, we get the privilege to hold God's Word in our hands and, and to read it. Uh, as a pastor, as, as somebody who teaches a Sunday school class or somebody that takes the Word of God, maybe a soul winner. I was talking to somebody the other day that somebody had told them, uh, you're not ready yet. And I, I thought, how can we ever be ready? Is anybody ever adequately prepared to take the truth of an eternal and infinite God and try to spread that truth around? Are we ever ready to do that? Are we ever at the point where we feel like we're adequate to preach the Word of God? I'll tell you, I've had the privilege of preaching since I was 17 years old, so that's been 31 years. I'll, I'll tell you today, I there's not a, a time goes by that I get up to preach that I don't sit down thinking how inadequate that was. How inadequate that was. how 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 much more could have been done to bring the truth of an everlasting God, an eternal God, an infinite God, to people whose hearts are hurting, to people whose hearts are needing to... To have that closeness and that walk with him. And uh, I thought about that a lot this weekend. I was so excited on the way to go visit this lady. I'd never met her before Friday night. and Driving out there had about an hour. and, And the closer I got, the more excited I got. Here's a lady that's asking me to share about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get a better opportunity than that. I mean, we look for opportunities like that, don't we? For somebody to say, can you tell me about God? And she's like, oh, I hate that you drove an hour. I said, I had to drove a lot of hours to get an opportunity to share the gospel, to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he worth it? He's worth it. Look in Romans chapter 11 with me, and we're going to begin reading in verse number, um, let's start in verse 25. We're going to focus on some verses a little bit lower in the passage, but Paul is dealing here with Israel's rejection of God and how that, for a time period, God rejects them. And aren't you glad that there was a time that God said, "I'm going to, I'm going to let the Gentiles be the partakers of the same promises. I'm going to let the Gentiles be the partakers of salvation." Paul becomes an apostle to the Gentiles in verse number 13. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. He says, I magnify my office. The opportunity that he had, he counted it a privilege to go to the Gentiles and to take the gospel story to them. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that happened. Because I'm a Gentile. And I'm thankful that I have the same opportunity to be saved as the children of God did. We find in verse number 25, he says, "...for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel unto the of Gent- until the fullness of the Gentiles become come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them." When I shall take away their sins, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, Even so have these also now not believed, though that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. We could take time this morning to preach on God's mercy, and the truth is time would fail us. To be honest, on my intellect and my thoughts and my vocabulary, my ability to speak of God's mercy would fail us. Because we would not have even begun to describe the vastness, the inexplicableness of God's mercy to us. And the, uh, Paul says in verse number 33, "All oh, the depth of the riches. Both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath seen His Counselor, or who hath first given to Him? And it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen." Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. And I pray that you would stir us afresh and anew, that there would be a spirit that would be yielded to the leading of your Holy Spirit. That there would be a marked and a profound decision made in our hearts right now. That we long for your Holy Spirit to guide and to direct and to ignite our hearts with a passion. And a love for you that cannot be explained. Help us to experience the depth of the fullness of all that you are. I pray that you would bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading a book this week, and I've read it before, but it's been a while, On uh, by A.W. Tozer on the pursuit of God. And he makes mention of the fact in chapter number 1 that there are Christians that go through their life with an intellectual theology. They are mentally know of God. They come and they go through the process of worship. And he says he feared in the day that he lived that there were men who had traded true worship for the program of a service. That we go through the process and the mode, and the Bible refers to it this way, that there are some which would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And the Bible says this, from such turn away. That there are those that will look and, and, and do all that they think they ought to do outwardly and they will pride themselves on what they are not and they'll identify themselves "...on their purity and their piety without, and yet the truth is the sheep are leaving the services starving because the theology that has been taken care of in the service and those doctrines that have been touched on have been merely uh, an intellectual exercise and they've never made it to the heart." And one of the great battles that we face here at Keitha Heights Baptist Church and everybody that comes here when we come for a service is to take the truth that is given from God's Word and to have it come from this part of our hearts, our minds, to this part of our hearts. For us to get to the place where there is a, a recognition of who God is and the truth of the, the things that God has for us that they need to become embedded into our heart of hearts that Christ would once again have preeminence in our life, that we would take whatever idols, whatever things would shove God aside in the throne room of our heart and that we would discard them and allow Him to have His rightful place. I fear that there are many such things in the day we live, even in what we would call good Bible-believing churches. I believe that even pastors, and I'll tell you at least I know this pastor, Battles and struggles with Christ always to have preeminence in my heart. For there are so many things that vie for our time. There are so many things that that battle for our interest and our intellect and our, our appetites. And it is so easy. As the writer of Hebrews says, there are these things that so easily beset us. It's things that so easily will creep into our hearts and rob us of our love and our joy and our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. It will rob us of our view of who God is. It's amazing to me that no matter how much we study Scripture and how much we learn of God, there is so much infinitely more to know of Him than what we know. And yet somehow we are arrogant enough to think that some of us have attained spiritually where we need to be and that we know enough about God and the truth is we have not even begun to scratch the surface of who He is. The vastness of His mercy, the vastness of His grace, the vastness of His love for us, His justice. We don't like to think of His justice because when we do we begin to see how undone we are and certainly we deserve his chastening do we not certainly we deserve his justice amen we do and it makes his mercy and his grace that much more difficult to understand Paul, in writing here, is speaking to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews, he's wanting them to realize that they had turned from God and that they had rejected Him. To the Gentiles, he wanted them to know that God has included them in this thing of salvation and the fact that He loves them and that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he sums it all up as we get to verse number 33 of our text this morning. And he says, All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. I've had times in my life where I've sat, in fact, the other night I sat and this lady's Uh, room and i was talking with her and i was saying she said i don't understand why i don't i don't understand why god let this happen in my life and i shared with her i said i understand some of that i've not gone through what you've gone through but i told her i said you know i watched as my dad who had pastored faithfully for 40 years went through a prolonged 10 months of suffering and we had gotten to the point as a family that, Lord, if you're not going to heal him, then please just take him home, but don't make him suffer. The pain, the suffering. And I said, I watched in, in over those months as I watched him go through this, and, and I said, I'll tell you this, Miss Kathy, I said, there's, I, I don't know that I can tell you why. Because the truth is, we don't always know why, do we? But I do know we can trust him. I said, after that had happened, and God took my, my dad uh, a few years ago, I said, within the next 12 months, I sat at the bedsides of four different families, and I held their hands, and I wept with them, because they were going through what we had gone through. I was driving home one night from sitting at the bedside of, I think it was the second one that I had to deal with, and... It it dawned on me that God had allowed me, because I didn't understand why God had allowed my dad and our family to go through what we had gone through. And it dawned on me that God allowed us to go through that for no other reason, at least in my mind, than that I could sit and minister to these people that needed somebody to say, I understand. And I looked at that and I thought of that as I came back home the other night. And I thought, but the truth is, God's ways are so far beyond my ways that even when I say I see what God had in store for me, I'll tell you this, I've not even begun to understand why God did what He did. Oh, I might see a little bit of it here and there. Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Have you ever noticed that the more that we get to know about God, the more that we read in His Word about Him, the more we realize we don't know? Have you ever noticed that? The more we begin to understand that we don't understand. It's the, it's the young Christian, it's the, it's the novice, it's the babe in Christ that would come to God's Word and read through it and say, Okay, I understand God. For the closer we draw to Him and the closer we are to Him, the more we realize we do not understand Him. We cannot wrap our minds, our finite minds around the infinite. And, and, and then we, we face this world and we, we have all of the din and the noise of this world and the problems of this world. And God, the Bible says, speaks to us in a still, small voice. Have you ever noticed that? I see the irony in that. Because if I were God and I looked down and I saw what we had to go through, and we saw all the noise and all the distractions that would pull our hearts and our minds from Him, if I was God, I would have to say, I'm going to shout it out, I'm going to yell at them, I'm going to get their attention. But you know, He comes through us in a still so small voice. You know what's so amazing about that? In all the din of this world... All the noise, all the distractions, you and I can still hear Him. His ways are not our ways. We come to the edge, and I shared this the other week, we come to the edge of the vastness of the ocean of who God is, and we are able to take but just a little sip of it. I got to thinking of the woman in the Bible that Touched the hem of his garment. You remember the story? Jesus was on the earth walking and and teaching and the multitudes were pressed around him and a woman who had an issue of blood came. And her mindset was, if I could just get to touch the hem of his garment, he'll help me. We remember the story. She pressed in. She touches the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that virtue flowed out of him. And he turned around and he said, who touched me? And they were all confused by that. And they said, well, we don't know who touched you. There's so many people around. Surely somebody touched you. But can I tell you this? When you have a heart that is pursuing God, even when all we can do is get to the hymn of who He is, His virtue will still flow. He will still fill us. When was the last time we came to church and we sat in a service and the greatness and the fullness of God began to overflow in our hearts and our minds and we left the building spiritually gorged and, and like we had been to an all-you-could-eat spiritual buffet, fully nourished and overflowing. I ate at the barbecue the other night with some friends of ours on the fly, July 4th and we got done eating and the fellow that was uh, the head of the household there was sitting out in front of his house and getting ready to light off some fireworks. And he said, oh, I ate too much. And about two or three minutes later he said, oh, I'm hurt and I'm really full. I really ate too much. Oh, that it would be said of us spiritually that when we get the fullness of God, we can't even contain it. It's too much. It's not about getting the truth and storing it away in the intellectual file cabinet of our minds. But when we allow that truth to come into our heart and to work on our heart in such a way that the fullness of God begins to overflow inside of us. Paul says, "O oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments. And his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? How arrogant it would be of us to think that we know God's mind. To be able to say, well, I understand all about God. And Verse number 35, he says, or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto Him again. I shared in Sunday school this morning, in a covenant, when you make covenant with somebody, you give everything that you own to them. It now belongs to them. And they in turn give everything that they own to you, and it now belongs to you. You ever thought of this, that when God made covenant with us on Calvary, That everything that we have now belongs to him. And by the way, everything he has now belongs to us. And I told our Sunday school class this morning, I said, I don't know if we realize this yet or not. But we got the better end of that deal. Because we didn't have a whole lot to offer to him. Paul, speaking of this greatness of the riches, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, who hath known the mind of God, who hath first given to Him, verse 35. Notice verse 36, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. And we shout, Amen. Paul, in kind of bringing this all into a, a one statement, speaks of the vastness of who God is. Can I help you with something this morning? There is a need for every Christian sitting here today to become filled with the fullness of God. I'm talking about not just coming and sitting through a church service and watching the time because lunch is getting ready to happen. But I'm talking about when we come to church and we can't wait to hear about the love of God. We can't wait to have His Holy Spirit stir our hearts because we know it's not going to be just something we hear and learn, but it's going to be something that stirs us. It's going to be something that draws us to Him. All oh, that we would come to church prepared for such a thing. That we would spend time saying, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit to guide and to direct in my heart and my life. And when I go to Keith Heights Baptist Church for a church service, I expect the Holy Spirit to do something in my heart. And to stir us afresh and anew. For I fear that there are many times the sheep go home hungry. Because we have not been nourished with the fullness of God. Can I tell you this? The songs will not fill you. The time that we spend fellowshipping together will not fill you. I'll be real frank with you. The message that the pastor brings will not fill you. The only thing that can fill you is the fullness of God. He is what we feast upon. His Holy Spirit is what enables us and fills us. It matters very little what my words are if God does not stir in the hearts of men and fill us. I'm thankful that Paul brings this point to bear. And then he says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God. Based on all that we've just discussed. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you what? Present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. We can quote that verse backwards and forwards. Some of us can. We've heard it all our lives. There have been times maybe we've even gone to the altar and have prayed this verse. That Lord, I want to present my body a living sacrifice. Do we understand the impact of what's being asked of us? That we die to self and are made alive unto God. That we would get to the place where we take the old nature, our selfishness, if you will, and we crucify it. And we say, I want only what God has for me. Paul, what gives you the right to ask this? Oh, if I could but tell you of the fullness of God, the unsearchableness of His mercy, His grace, His wisdom, His knowledge. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. When was the last time our hearts were stirred? It was the last time our hearts were filled with the fullness of God. It was the last time we left church. And we didn't just intellectually say, Boy, that was a good message Brother Greg brought today. But we left here saying, Boy, what a great God I have. What a great Savior. Oh, He has filled me today. I leave here full. I leave here satisfied spiritually. I leave here running over of the fullness of God. I wish there was more that could be said of the subject. I wish for a few moments that I could unzip my heart and open it up and let people see it. But the truth is you can't see my heart. All I'm going to ask you to do is, could you ask God to see His heart? Could you get to the place where you say, God, I am empty. I'm dried up. I am in need of being filled. Would you fill me? Could we do that today? There's a lady in St. Charles this morning. Laying in a bed, not able to get out of it. That said, I have a friend who, every time I talk to her, she is so full of God. She said, I want that. I want that. Do you want that today? I hope you do. I hope you do. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, there